T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, indeed, it is the get right on your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion Texas Rangers 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula here with you, sitting alongside Chris Arnold. Got you down. And the fan phenom winner, Blake Elliott. Talk to me. Shout out to you and shout out to uh, all of you listening, wherever you're listening, on the Odyssey app. Twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam. 105 through the fan on YouTube. We appreciate you rocking with us on this Wednesday evening. Uh, coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll discuss uh, the, the the truths, the NBA truths that we've started to pick up on uh, in this young NBA season. Um, you can always get involved with the program by texting to the truckwreck.com text line 877-881-1053. And right now, um, let's talk about the best rookie seasons that you can remember. Probably in the NFL. NFL, just in general, um, and CA, any you're going. Sport? Yeah, it, it, I think let's let's stick to NFL. But I've, I'd like to open this up to any sport because one thing about it is it's. And I know Blake, you've been fascinated by this young man, CJ Stroud, has been a a delight. He's been a shining uh, effort in this. I think we all got kind of got immediately got enamored with the long streak of no interceptions for him to start the season. And now you have them at four and four, or sorry, I believe they're five. Add that one more, five. four and five. No, five and four. Five and four because they beat. Yes, they were four and four playing the Bengals, and then obviously they have this big, you know, maybe not primetime game, but a big game that has a lot of eyes against the Bengals. And yes, they did win, make it five and four for that team. You know, it's been a fantastic job mm-hmm. for him, and now he's kind of in the odds for MVP. People are looking at him as you know a shining example of a rookie particularly after kind of you know being in that which quarterback do you take and it felt like a lot of people were leaning away from him in that discussion ultimately Bryce Young is selected number one a fantastic rookie season thus far obviously he needs to finish it out but I'm starting to wonder where could he land amongst great NFL rookie seasons so what are the ones that you could think of and Blake what's what's been what's been so fascinating about him for you where do I start? Where do I start with C.J. Stroud? I think the most telling stat is not one that shows up on the paper. He is, like you said the other day, he is elevating guys to play at better levels than they've ever played before. Tank Dell, third-round guy. Noah Brown, Cowboys let him go. Dalton Schultz, Cowboys let him go. So guys that, that were on the Cowboys, the two I just named, oh, they weren't good enough. Dak, hey, Dak didn't have enough weapons. We, we don't really need him. Uh, C.J. Stroud's making them look like all-pro receivers. And tight ends. Dalton Schultz in last year with the Cowboys, five touchdowns. Through 10 weeks, 11, 10, 11 weeks this year, Dalton Schultz already has four touchdowns. CJ Stroud, first teams that are above 500, he's four and one against them. 
I think that's kind of important to play good on those big time games when those teams are actually matched up. Games where you need to win against a good opponent, which um, someone we'll get to later doesn't always do that. He's on pace to shatter the rookie record for passing yards, on pace for 4,960 yards. Andrew Luck holds the record at 4,374. So he is about to shatter all of those records. Already set the record for most passing yards by a rookie in a single game with 470. No rookies won it since Jim Brown. So I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and act like he's the favorite and it's a runaway and no one else can take it away from him. But the way he's playing right now, the stats match the eye test. I love what I'm seeing. What do you think, CA? He's putting on a show and just to put some comps in the NFL, you know, how well he's playing and the other guys who are like rookie of the year or who had in sensational rookie quarterback years. Justin Herbert in 2020, he had 31 passing touchdowns, offensive rookie of the year for the Chargers. Baker Mayfield, Cleveland. People forget. They, they know he wasn't no good lately after that. But his rookie year, 27 touchdown passes. That was a record at the time for rookies till Justin Herbert broke it. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. Um, Dak Prescott. See, this is why I was compared to. I'm compared to Dak Prescott's season, even though a lot of people want to say, oh, that was Zeke LA because he led the league in rushing that year. Dak Prescott got the uh, offensive rookie of the year award. He was sixth in the MVP vote. He had six rushing touchdowns. He had a 104 quarterback rating, only four picks, 23 touching, uh, 23 passing touchdowns. But more importantly, the man won 11 straight games. People forget about that. He That's nice. why Tony Romo couldn't get his job back. Russell Wilson had a hell of a year as a rookie. He was also the uh, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Robert Griffin III in 2012, RG3. The man was offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, and the, so thing I think, guys, I, the thing that I think is different about some of those, right? We talk about Dak, we talk about Russ. Those ones, they definitely leaned a lot on other a- aspects of the game. And, and that's not to shade them because they did play well. That RG3 thing was different, right? Baylor legend. Um, yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Colleen, Texas. Um, he absolutely showed up in a way where you could tell that the offense was leaning on him. And that's some of what is kind of the amazing thing for me about C.J. Stroud is that he, this is not this is not run leaning. They're not leaning on the run here. Right. The defense is improved, but it's not one of those things where the defense is carrying them. He mm-hmm. is out here making veteran type decisions in a situation where you would not expect a veteran to instantly, uh, you know, or you wouldn't expect a rookie to instantly play in that level. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the likes of um, Justin Herbert mm-hmm. and um, Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. There's easily an argument to be made that those guys having years under their belt are still not playing at the level that C.J. Stroud is playing right now. And right. That's, that's a testament to that, man. He is playing as well as what he's playing the way the Chicago Bears hoped that Justin Fields would have been playing when they drafted him. Sure. That's what they hoped for. He's having a great year. You have to go all the way back to Dan Marino's rookie year to see somebody playing this well as a rookie. And as far as RG3's numbers, so because this is actually co-signing on what you were just saying, yeah. this is how much of an effect he had on Washington. The man passed for 3,200 yards, 20 touchdown passes, only five picks, 102 quarterback rating, 815 rushing yards, which is still a rookie record. Seven rushing touchdowns, again, Offensive Rookie of the Year. And then Mike Shanahan ruined him. Right. What a scoundrel. But I'm sure people around these parts are not too mad about that one. Um, so those are some of the quarterbacks. 
I just kind of want to go through some of the rookies that have just had fantastic seasons. Like, just bar none, rookies that have been incredible. And on the truckwreck.com text line, y'all are already delivering. There you go. Because from the 214, hit one of the ones that I would love to bring up. How about Randy Moss? Randy Moss immediately dropped into the league and made all the people who passed him, shout out to Jerry Jones, uh, passed up on him, upset immediately. Oh, man, we could have had that, right? Like, rookie of the year, third in MVP voting Mm -hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- thirteen hundred yards, mm-hmm. right? Like most of them against the Cowboys, because he played the Cowboys that year, and he wanted to be a Cowboy so bad. And Jerry Jones wanted him too. I don't know if y'all know the story behind yeah. that. Yeah, I'd Mike, love to hear it. Michael Irvin actually was crying, and he called him out. He said, "It's on me. This is my fault." What had happened was the old head media guys, the Randy Galloways, the Dale Hansons, they were on their, they were on their. Uh, pedestal or the podium, whatever, just preaching the Cowboys have gone to hell. Michael Irvin, they got the White House. They got all this drama. They're not focused. They're not even, you know, you can't have a guy who's smoking weed. Because Randy Moss in college, you know, that was part of his story. And they're like, we can't have that over here. And so Jerry Jones wanted Randy Moss badly. Michael Irvin wanted Randy Moss badly. And because of the sentiment, the, the, the public outcry, he had to draft Greg Ellis instead of Randy Moss. And when Randy Moss played the Cowboys, burnt them alive. Toasted every cornerback on that roster. And just to put a staple on the C.J. Stroud MVP Rookie of the Year, he I don't know if people realize, no one thought the Texans were going to be good. Right. I don't know if we remember, they picked second yep. in the draft. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Third in the draft. That means your team's not very good if you've got two top three picks. Well, they I mean, they traded this Tra- year. I know they traded, but that's not round. very good if you're in that situation to have those games. players. They only won four games. They only, they, they, I don't even think they won that many. Oh, you're right, it's three. <laughs> I might even and, been and less Lovey than that. And gave him that last one because he's mad at the, and he's mad at him for trying to fight I feel confident in him as a high MVP pick. I know it's kind of a long shot because like we said, he's a rookie, no one's run one since Jim Brown, but the accountability is the biggest thing for me, and I see it going forward. Rigo, if you could play a clip of that accountability showing after the Bengals game. Uh, I threw the interception. I let him know, man, like, I got your back. Like I know I made a mistake, um, but uh, that one play doesn't define me, and I'm going to uh, go prove myself again. And they knew that it would come down to the wire. We knew that, too. Um, and I just went to D'Amico and let him know, man, I got you. Like, we're going to win this game. And he, he looked me right in the eye and said, I trust you. So um, uh, it's, it's amazing to have uh, trust in your head coach. And I'm a rookie. And, and my OC, Bobby, man, like, uh, I think Bobby, we need to give him his flowers. He called a great game again, um, leaned on his players and, and, and took risk. Um, and, and I appreciate him for even doing that. Wow. That's what you want to hear from your mm-hmm. quarterback. As a rookie, he's taken on like that. Hey, that's on me, but I'm going to win the game for us. And I think that's all you can ask for in a rookie quarterback. So if he doesn't win the MVP, I don't think he cares. He's got this team trending in the right direction. First-year coach, D'Amico Ryan. So I love what I'm seeing from Houston, especially from that boy Stroud. So you want to talk about, we as we continue to talk about, you know, some of the greatest rookie seasons that we've seen. Talk to me. Um, obviously, we mentioned Randy Moss. Um, how about... As we're moved around around from quarterbacks, let's bring it back to another cowboy. He wears number eleven. His name is Michael Parsons. Y'all remember when he had thirteen sacks in his rookie year? So easy to just man. 
Mm-hmm. What a dog. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's incredible to think about, but that, that that probably is a top 10 rookie season of yeah. all time in this league. Nice and that dude, that dude is right here in Dallas still uh-huh. right now. Like, that's uh-huh. – and you talk about Lawrence. Lawrence Taylor also had a crazy rookie well, season, that's too. What, that's what, that was the comp because at the time, Lawrence Taylor, the only defensive player of the year as a rookie. Yeah. And they're like, can Micah join? And they're people, well, we don't want to want to give that to him yet. That's he, the only reason he he's been in the race it. since he's been in the NFL for defense yeah. or for a uh, rookie. Not my bad, not rookie. The defensive player of the year, and that's insane. And I, I see. I don't know if you remember on draft night. I know a lot of Cowboy Twitter, a lot of Cowboys fans wanted us to draft a corner. Patrick Sertain got taken right before us by the Denver Broncos. And hey, we, man, J.C. Horn. We both we wanted both right? of those because we needed a corner. And then all of a sudden we get Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. Oh, what are we going to do with that? Oh, they're going to turn out to be the two best players on your defense. So turned out pretty well. What about Zeke? What do y'all think about his Absol- year, buddy? Yeah, that's one of the seasons we, we were go. talking about. You know, you talk about that 16 season and the way that Dak Prescott uh, played. Zeke, Zeke only the, had 1600 yards. Yeah, led the league in rushing as a rookie. Like that's, I mean, it was it was amazing how clear and clean it was that he was one of the best, if not the best, running he back was in threatening. the league. He was literally threatening Eric Dickerson's 2,000 yards. And they would talk about this because him and Dickerson are friends. And the thing that kind of not upset Zeke, but they didn't let him play in that Philadelphia Eagles game, the last game of the season. Yeah. Where he could have gotten close, if not broke the 2,000 yards as a rookie. And was good for about a, a touchdown a season or a touchdown a game uh-huh. um, in that one. It was hurdling people too. Remember that? That uh, was like that's the, the thing, that's the thing that made people kind of uh, sad when you saw him towards you know year yeah, year six. No it's like you don't have exactly that level of athleticism anymore because he was a monster. He mm-hmm. was like a big bruising dude that had that level of speed yep. and athleticism. Uh, finished first team All Pro mm-hmm. and of course third in MVP voting. So we talk about that. Yeah, Dak was sixth in MVP. Zeke was third, and yet Zach uh, Dak was named Offensive Rookie of the Year. And primarily, I think people were like, "Well, he only threw four picks. Nobody's done this since Dan Marino as a rookie." See, that's what happens when y'all prioritize quarterbacks so damn much. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we forget great. They devalued the running back. Somebody's right going to break the mold. Some one of these offensive players, one of this year's got to win MVP or something. I mean, this year it's like kind of open. So like, there's not no clear well, cut Tyreek winner. Well, Tyreek Hill wanted it. Yeah, Tyreek, AJ, if he gets his CMC, 2000, yeah, maybe. I, th- I think if he hits that two thousand number, some for some reason, uh, especially in sports, we love some of these kind of arbitrary numbers, yeah, these like yeah. hard and fast. For instance, to kind of jump sports, you remember when Russell Westbrook hit that triple double? Like we've seen players get like nine point seven assists, but something about hitting that that ten square, those those hard and fast numbers, yeah. does something for folks. So I think if you see Tyreek Hill end up with that two thousand. I think that that might change something for some folks, particularly if you don't have somebody that stands out in a large way that grabs it as a quarterback. And speaking of quarterbacks and rookie seasons, how about Cam Newton in 2011? You got to turn your mic on, see, so yeah, you know, you you took a breath oh, and now yes. <laughs> you went away from. But Cam Newton had four thousand passing yards Ooh. and twenty one passing touchdowns, and then added fourteen rushing touchdowns himself as well. He was running people over as a rookie. Took took that team on his back. Oh my. Oh. And this is this is the year after carrying an entire Auburn squad to his back with nobody that was actually an NFL yeah. player but him. Heisman, mm-hmm, everything. Kev Newton was, was just a, a monster. When if he they hadn't playing. beat him down, he'd probably won a Super Bowl too. I mean, and he, he had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl in that 15 season, was that it? Yeah, that was the year that Von Miller and, and uh, DeMarcus Ware beat him down. And uh, the what was the deal? Everybody kept talking about the referees were treating him like he was a linebacker. Like, well, it's okay, he can handle it. 
he's he's bigger than the rest of these quarterbacks. And I'm I'm not mad at uh Von Miller. And I'm mad. At, I'm not mad at D. Ware. I'm just saying, Cam Newton took a beating that, in that game, and they were 15 and one that season. And of course, CA, I'm going to lean on your expertise. Jim Brown. No, I'm just playing. You're not that old. <laughs> I'm not but Jim Brown, Brown obviously, what happened was, the last one to win uh, win the MVP as a rookie, mm-hmm. 942 rushing yards in a, in a shorter season, mind you, nine touchdowns. And that's one of those dudes that all the, all the old guys that were there at that time, uh-huh. they tell you, you just don't understand. Yeah, you just don't understand. In fact, Barry Sanders, who was the most exciting running back I've ever seen in my life, I, I consider him the greatest running back I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen a bunch of them. His father was his high school coach. His father got brought with him to Oklahoma State to be his assistant coach over there, too. When he passed Jim Brown on the rushing record, his father says, so, that ain't nothing. And then when Barry Sanders retired, remember, Barry Sanders could have had 20,000 yards easily. He could have. It's one of the reasons why the Detroit Lions are just, as an organization, have been a uh, laughingstock, and good for them that they're getting this to come back around. Well, this is one of the things that, that uh, Barry Sanders said. They said, Barry, you could have had 20,000 yards. He said, I don't mean anything to me. He said, my daddy said, I don't care how many yards you get. You're not Jim Brown. <laughs> mm. Mr. Elusive. So he said, I've never been caught up in the numbers. Shout out to Blake Alexander, who reminds us that Cam Newton started his career with two, with back-to-back 400-yard passing Woo! games. Not I too just, bad. I just love giving him his props because it felt like he didn't get enough of yeah. them at that time. And ironically, the Cowboys are playing his old team. That's right. Sunday. The Carolina Panthers are who the Cowboys face off this weekend. We'll we'll keep talking about that as the week continues. But coming up next right here on the Get Right on 105 Through the Fan, let's talk about some NBA truths that we have learned over the young season thus far. We'll do it next on 105 Through the Fan. This segment of the Get Right is brought to you by Frankel and Frankel. Life is unpredictable and accidents happen. Frankel and Frankel are the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in the DFW. And if your loved one have been injured in an accident, contact Frankel and Frankel for a free consultation at truckwreck.com or call 214 or 817-3333. It's the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan, your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion, Texas Rangers. I'm Reginald Datatula sitting alongside Chris Arnold. Got you down. And the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Talk to me. Shout out to all of you listening, wherever you're listening on this Wednesday night. You can always get involved with the program on the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053, where, gentlemen, uh, there's, some, there's at least a couple of people who are super fascinated with something. Let's hear it. Uh, from the 817, hey, CA, did they find your long-lost son in Blake? <laughs> Someone else, someone else pointed out that they think that y'all look look alike. Are y'all yeah. y'all y'all share DNA? Is this some nepotism happening you, you here, gentlemen? Wild, he does look like my cousin. I had a cousin named Brian, and he looks just like him, Brian Arnold. Greatness. I mean, what can I say? I, I, if I'm associated with CA, I'll take that. The three timer, I'll take that as. Blake, a, what's, what's your daddy's name or your cousin's or your uncle's name? We, 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 there is there. Man, is that's, this, too, that's too much federal information. I already gave out my birthday. Like, <laughs> nobody, know. nobody made you do that. By, I know. By you do that on your, on your own. I want to show you a picture of my cousin Brian on the next break, and you're gonna say, "Damn, he, he could." Yeah, he's gonna be like, "Oh, that's Uncle Brian." 
right. And I see him all the time. That's fantastic. It's the get right. As I mentioned, yeah. uh, your Dallas Mavericks get a win in the nation's capital against the Washington Wizards, 130-117. to 117. Luka back to good ways. Tim Hardaway Jr. goes crazy for 31 off of the bench in uh, – as we've d- d- dubbed it, kind of six man of the year. Spark plug. Uh, kind of play, yeah. Real catalyst things Balling. from Tim Hardaway Jr. But ar- around the rest of the NBA, uh, we- we've learned some things, I think. Uh, Ten games is usually a good sample in the NBA to kind of start grabbing some ideas. Of course, you you kind of readjust and reevaluate over like kind of ten game samples. Right. And at the very least, let's start to see where we are, gentlemen. How's that sound? Talk to me, man. Uh, let's begin with a team that I think you're interested in, Blake. The Milwaukee Bucks, a team that made a splash trade uh, to begin the season or before the season. Game time. They went and got Damian Lillard. And so just as we know, and I'm going to always put it back in this context because I think it makes it very easy, easy for us here to uh, you know associate. When you trade for a big player, um, especially when it's close to the mm-hmm. season or in season, it takes a little bit to do some figuring out. And we haven't seen them be at their highest. We knew they were going to give up some defense. The offense hasn't always been where it needs to be. However... Do you think? Do you guys think it's fair? This thought that the Bucks actually hired the wrong coach in getting Adrian Griffin. Mm. He was previously an assistant with Toronto, with the Toronto Raptors, and Nick Nurse's. He's, he's staff. actually a former Maverick too. Didn't realize that actually. Yeah, back with Dirk and uh, Finley and Nash. There you go. The day, AG. Um, now he had not been a head coach, and he was hired before this trade was made. But it seems like he was hired at the behest. Of your star player, Giannis Adetokounmpo, and when you do that, of course, like, hey, man, you want to make sure that your star player is involved and has a say-so. However, this is a type of team where you imagine that some veteran coaching know-how would be useful, and right now you're seeing that this doesn't quite look how you want it to be right now. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be on the bottom half of the league in turnovers, especially with two guys and Dame and Giannis are usually pretty good at taking care of the ball. Giannis obviously gets a lot of attention, but... The, my main thing has been how bad their defense has been. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they gave up one of the best, if not the best, defensive guard in Drew Holiday. So we knew the defense was going to falter. We didn't think it was going to falter to bottom five in the league. You still have Giannis, defensive player of the year candidate, every time he steps on the floor. They still have Jay Crowder's been in and out of the lineup. They still have pieces over there that I like. So the fact that the defense is so bad, the offense going to figure itself out. They're, they're, they got too much talent on offense not to win games. But if you can't play defense, that Drew Holiday trade is going to show dividends because he's on the Celtics balling. Yeah, I mean, and Drew Holiday is what he is. One of the things defensively for me, as you mentioned, and I think that's a fair point, is that you have, even the players that you have that are defensively inclined haven't looked as good defensively. Brooke Lopez was a guy that for the majority of the season was being talked about as a defensive player of the year candidate. And it seems like some of the schematic choices that they have decided to go with have kind of limited his defensive play. Now, Brooke Lopez isn't a spring chicken, mind you, so maybe you ask yourself, is this starting to fall off? But, I mean, Brooke Lopez is a player who's remade himself, by my count, three times in the Uh league, and that is a wild thing to think about because typically you talk about and you give plaudits to a player in any league that's like, he used to be this player and he changed himself one time to now be a different player. What a great veteran who matured. He's done that three times in the league. and so Very effectively, too. Yes, and so I find myself a little... uh, I have have some questions when it comes to uh, Adrian Griffin. Of course, again, 10 games. Um, we'll see what he continues to do as he develops. This one, however, doesn't have to be a wait and see. I think that we are there. Gentlemen, and I'll direct this to you, CA. Tyrese Maxey is an all-star lock. South Garland's own. And might even be all NBA. Let me tell you something. They've been sleeping on him. He was trying to defer to James Harden. 
He was trying to defer to Ben Simmons. And now it is his rock to spread around. He is getting his props and his flowers. Very proud of Tyree. Here's what's so crazy. Tyrese Maxey wanted to be a Maverick so bad in Mavericks had an opportunity. They they drafted Josh Green at the time. Oh no! Don't do that to Josh Green on a night where he only where he didn't score any points. Don't do that to him. I love Josh. Don't do that to him. Don't do that to him. I'm not doing anything to Josh. I like Josh a lot. I'm just saying, locally, a lot of people like Tyrese Maxey. Gets Tyrese Maxey. Come on, man. And what the crazy thing is, is he still does things in this community. I remember yes, uh, this offseason, he had like a block party uh-huh. in Garland. Yep. Uh, yeah. he's, he still loves it here. He yep. had a block party last night. The other night, he <laughs> <laughs> man. I, I, For real. I love the young guards in this league kind of finally taking that next step. You know, mm-hmm. we've had the the Curries of the league and just kind of the Lillards and just like, oh, they're going to be all NBA. They're going to be the best guards. Nope. Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Maxey. The Tyrese has taken over. It's a Tyrese league. And... They, those guys are now saying like, hey, I don't need a veteran to guide the way anymore. I am the veteran. I've had enough under me to kind of take the keys. And we've seen that the system has been a lot better over there without a James Harden there. I mean, we'll get to the clips in a second. But the the 76ers, like C.A. just said, they have looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Embiid and that two-man they, game when Embiid and Maxi is unstoppable. Right they now. have the best record in the league. Uh, they finally lost another game. They, they've only lost two games. Yep. Who they lose to? The Pacers. Uh-huh. Tyrese Maxey. I have the craziest stat of the week that you're going to hear. If you're on social media, you saw it. Tyrese Halliburton in the last two games has 32 assists and zero turnovers while also averaging 25 points during that stretch. And so, I, Go ahead. He's got the ball in his hands, and he's yeah. just making all the right reads. Oh, and they, they gave him his $200 million contract uh, last year. Here's the deal about... The Pacers, they're the number one offense in the NBA, and of course, it's run by Rick Carlisle, who came up with the most efficient offense in NBA history with the Mavericks and Luka and Porzingis. Yeah, man, he leads, I mean, Halliburton leading the assist, uh, NBA in assists by a mile. The offense looks not just good, it looks like all-time good. Like, this could That's be Carlisle. the best offense in the league. I will caution, though, on that Pacers track, they are still young. I think that they want to make that playoff push. They're going to have to have a third star step up. It's pretty much him and mm-hmm. Miles carrying it. Obi Toppin has been playing well, mm-hmm. especially the last two games. But it's going to need to be consistent. A Benedict Matherin, yeah, but that's- a Buddy Hield. I'm going to need them to be 15 points a game. You can't have 12 because they're both. No one's averaging over 15 other than Miles and um, Tyree. So I just think we need another star. I won't even say a star. Another player to step up and kind of be that middle of the range score nightly, not just here and there. Well, I think I think that that's kind of what you're looking at is obviously the idea of like the three star team. I don't think that that is an end all be all, uh, you know, kind of blueprint for everyone. And what you have here is you have two consistent players that, you know, every night will be there. And then you have three guys that you feel comfort comfortable will give you something on any given night. And I think that that's actually the way to do this for this team is that you need that guy to score 15. Well, tonight it might be Benedict Matherin, who actually might score you 20, 25. And then another might, it might be Obi Toppin. And then another, you know, like you have multiple guys that can give you that, but then also will still give you a consistent. It's not like I'll give you 15 one night and I'll give you three another night. Those guys are consistently there in the way that this goes. And all of that also still forms around the way that Tyrese Halliburton is able to run an offense. I think it's I think it's funny that the two top offensive teams, the two teams with two of the better records and the three-point percentage, the Mavs and the Pacers are formed quite similarly they both shoot a lot of threes Mm -hmm. they both have a very high pace move the ball up and down the floor and then like reg just said they have two stars 
and then a bunch of guys that fill in their roles and are very good at filling in their roles. You don't know if it's going to be Derek Jones Jr. one night, Grant Williams mm-hmm. one night, Timmy, Derek Lively, and then the same for you to say what um, if it's going to be my uh, buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin, right. Obi Toppin. So I think both teams are constructed quite similarly. And for those who think, well, it's Rick Carlin, Jason Kidd, and Jason Kidd ran Rick Carlin's offense when they won the championship. These are two different types of coaches. Rick Carlisle is an offensive-minded coach. Jason Kidd is a defensive-minded coach. So you can't say it's the coaching. What it is is the coaches are taking advantage of what they got. Yeah, that's, I mean, really solid teams. And one of these truths that came up here is that the Mavericks are putting the right players around Luke because that's been the conversation yeah, uh, yeah. over the entirety of his tenure here is can you put the right pieces around him? I'm... I still think that there's finishing touches to be done. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're not but gonna, no, but I think when it comes out. to the larger building blocks, they've done a fairly good job at mm-hmm. finding the right pieces to put around him, one of those main ones being Grant Williams. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I, And obviously Kyrie Irving. Don't want to ignore the but big talk, one there. You're talking about the one that nobody saw coming, though. I mean, I think we, we were kind of talking about it, but the way that Grant he's Williams? fit has, has been even better. Everything's than, up. I, everything. I, right. oh, everything is up. I was talking about the obvious. I was thinking the guy from Portland. Because he signed Derrick Jones the, Jr.? No. I'm talking about the one that Portland matched. Oh, um. He was the one, Thibel. Yeah, Matisse Thibel. Mm, I thought he was going to be here because he, they, in fact, they put poison pills in it. Yeah. And the Portland Trailblazers still matched it. Yeah. If Thibel is signed, I don't think Brian, I, I don't think Grant Williams is here. That, that was a heavy topic during Mavs offseason was number get Matisse Thibel and when we didn't get him I was in a similar like oh what are we gonna do and then Grant Williams was mm-hmm. he was kind of a role player I would say to say on the Celtics and then yeah. this year he's taking it I'm gonna be that third or fourth best scorer every night and yeah shoot but at he, a high he, efficiency. he was a, he was a really good role player Very on a championship good. level team and yes. to the point where when Joe Missoula wasn't playing him in the postseason the smart the smart people in the NBA that I trust looked at him and were like why is this guy not playing and that was enough for me to believe He's capable of filling that role for the Mavericks and then also getting the benefits of playing with Luka Doncic, that level of star and level of creator, mm-hmm. mind you. And both of them are the same age. That's what's great about it. They can Youngies. be together for a while. And it seems like their personalities match, which oh, yeah. which matters a whole bunch. They we talk about the on-the-court well. stuff, but yep. the personality, the human portions of these things matter a lot. How about this as a truth, gentlemen? And this one is one that I'm I'm feeling, gentlemen. Talk to me. The Minnesota Timberwolves are a true Western Conference contender. I'm yeah, going to let you take a CA. Cat, let me tell you something. The, the, the only, anybody thinks it's just about Rudy Gobert. No. Cat. Oh, I wouldn't even start there. Hold on. I'm sorry. My bad. Ant. Yeah, it was Ant, like, man. I was like, look, man. It, cat, I thought cat's I was saying Ant. I thought I was saying Ant, but I meant Cat. I mean, I was, I was saying Cat. I thought I was saying Ant, but I was saying Cat. There we I go. It was, it's one of them uh, animals. Yes. Anthony Edwards is the real deal, and he has been the real deal for a while. When we were in Abu Dhabi, I was watching it close up. I go, boy, they're they going to put this thing together this year. I'm not saying they're going to win it all. I'm just saying they are dangerous. I think I think that's a good way to put it. The Timberwolves are 100% improving as a team, and they're better than they were the last couple years. But I don't think you can win when – I love Anthony Edwards. Dog, going to be on the All-NBA team this year. But the Might, ne- might contend for all defense as well. Like That's the thing that's, that's been – he's dog a dog mentality. defender. The, your next three leading scorers, I know they play kind of smaller. Some play power forward at the four, but it's kind of positionless. They're all centers. You got Nas Reed, who's been Ka- very good, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. All great players. I just don't know if Mike Conley at the helm. I just don't know if they have enough wing play when you're playing a Boston Celtics, when you have to play a Tyrese Maxey. You say wing play. Ty- Where does Cat set up? <laughs> Well, and then also, <laughs> as a joke, although although he you know he was he was out here 
He was out here scrapping last night, but Jay oh, McDaniels yeah. is a defensively like high-level yeah, defender. I like him. Um, with also the length, right? The things that we're talking about. He's athletic, but he's also long. And allow me to kind of, as we've, when we talk about teams, y'all like bringing up the idea of the changes that could happen. I think that Carl Anthony Towns is a piece that they could ultimately move on from. Yep. Because yep. they have their guy who is it's very clear in when it comes to play capability, but then yeah. also mentality. Anthony Edwards is their guy. Yep. Defensively, Rudy Gobert is still huge for you. He really is. I think that now you, you have a possibility of maybe utilizing Carl Anthony Towns, who is a good player, but clearly not a guy who you want to build your team around. Maybe there's a team that's willing to give you the likes of some of that additional uh, length and some of some other things that you can maybe you know parlay that into and really solidify your team to be able to contend so the West. What, what position on the Timberwolves would you think need to be addressed if they were to move on to Cat? Because I'm interested to hear what you think. Is it a point guard, no, another wing? He's, he's still know, good. He's good, but he's he's not he's 21. Well. <laughs> Yeah, but this is the thing. They're not playing for two years from now. Right, yeah. they're playing for now. And you were the one that's high on CP3. What's, he's better than CP3 to me. But CP3 is coming off the bench. The reason Conley coming off the bench, different argument. He's healthy. CP3 is not. So what what position are you looking to upgrade for the Timberwolves? I don't even know if that's if it's particularly locked into a position. I think mm-hmm. it just give yourself an opportunity to get really good players. Because mm-hmm. I think Depth. you ha- you have enough to build a starting lineup. And mm-hmm. then at that point, it's just... What do you have? Does it help improve you? I think that that level of flexibility when you're not locked into, I need a, I need a wing or I need a guard, okay. I think that allows you to go and make better trades, better mm-hmm. deals that allow you to uh, fortify your team better. And I think that that's, that's all an opportunity. But even with Carl Anthony Towns still on this team, that team is looking like a menace through 10, 11-ish games. We're not, it's not the end-all, be-all of the season, but these are, these are the truths that we've latched on to. In, through the early portions of the season. Do, do you think that little scuffle, we'll get into that later, do you think that, that had... That wasn't a scuffle. Oh, yeah, that was a full-on no, WWE. WWE. <laughs> do, do, you think, do you think that has any, any, I don't want to stock in keeping Cat because Ant, Gobert, I don't want to say go. Ant's a dog. He's ready he to is. scrap. Your boy gets put in the headlock and you don't do a thing? You're standing right next to it making a face? The tough thing about that is, like, Carl Anthony Towns has always had people have kind of levied that like soft moniker on him, and answer the complete opposite. That's been there. The th- and shout out to Jimmy Butler in that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing about it is, Rudy Gobert is also one of those players that seems to have a weird relationship with other players in the league. Very mm. weird. And so it's funny because when he was in Utah, it was actually that it seemed like that locker room really liked him. But you remember when he the didn't COVID. make when he didn't make uh what was it the All Star team? Oh, and he cried, and he he showed his emotions. There was there was some jest around the league, including and probably namely from Draymond Green. Still to this and day, and so I I do wonder if if that actually does change the way that people view Carl Anthony Towns, or if that maybe speaks more to uh, Rudy Gobert in the way that he's seen. I'm not in that locker room. I can't quite tell you, but. Maybe I think we'll have to see, and we will over the course of the season. As like I said, we're only like an eighth of the way through, and we will continue to keep up with all of that right here on the Get Right on 105 through the fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up next, uh, it's a little. It's time to do some sharing time. We'll find out what these fellas got on the other side of the break.
This segment on 105.3 The Fan is brought to you by Classic Chevrolet. Just announced Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine's one-time Equinox offloads. A limited supply of excess Equinox models will be sold direct to the public below market value. See them all at ClassicChevrolet.com. Don't wait. The best sell fast. Classic Chevrolet. Find new roads. So get right. On 105 through the fan, Reginald Datatula, Chris Arnold sitting in with me, along with the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Talk to me. Appreciate you rocking with us right here on 105 through the fan, your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion, Texas Rangers. Uh, you can always get involved with the program on the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053. 877-881-1053. And that's where uh, we got this text from the 817 who reminded me. Remember, Go Bear, I was about to call him Bo- Gobert. Uh, Go Bear. <laughs> Uh, made everybody mad with the COVID stuff. Remember sure when he did. was out here playing too much? Uh-huh. Because everybody everybody knows that person that played too much. He started coughing on all those reporters' microphones. Touching everybody's and, microphones and, and, and phones. stuff. And what's funny is we still aren't actually certain if he was like patient zero, but you was out here fooling. The, you were the last person out here fooling before we got that news, and so everybody was like, oh, okay. And we for see those you. who don't know, they were playing in Oklahoma City, and they had to stop, they canceled the game, and then the team was held up in Oklahoma City. The Utah Jets and the Jazz were mad. It was All it was a tough really, thing. And it was. That really ended up being like the big thing for America to oh, yeah, take that's when COVID everybody seriously. Re- yeah, the Mavericks game ended. They were playing. And uh, by the way, uh, Boban had like 31 points. Yeah, game. yeah. And Bobby. at the end of the game, they was in the middle of the game. They were talking about they're going to shut down the season in the middle of the game. And Cuba's like, what? And then they had the press conference like, the world has changed. All right, so there's that on the truckwreck.com text line, but there's also somebody who wants to get in, and they say what they got is that they're heading to Vegas uh, tomorrow, but it's Formula One weekend. They've got to actually Formula One race in uh, Vegas, and they were like, they don't know how bad it'll be, and I was like, oof, mm. it might be tough because I know that it's already caused some inconveniences the ways that you know they shut down Traffic. some you know shut down some roads there mm-hmm. to be able to create um, the circuit out there. They try to block you the bridge. You want to know how bad it really is? How bad is it, Rigo? You're you're an F1 fan, correct? No, my girlfriend lives in, in Nevada. Oh, okay. So you've got you've got a uh, reporting experience. Yeah. What what does our uh, correspondent on the ground say? <laughs> so uh, uh, the uh, correspondent basically, she's saying that um, that that the area around, uh, I think it's what is it around uh, the, the, the Raider Stadium, right? Is, is that yeah, where right uh, around Allegiant, which is just off of the Strip, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's right off the strip. Yeah, the, that area, they, the the hotel's all booked up. Everything's just really, really congested and really bad uh, going in, the, in, in that nearest freeway. I can't remember it right at the top of my head. So shout out to you, 214, heading out to Vegas. I hope that uh, you find a way to navigate that well. But one thing I can say about Vegas, it's one of those, it's a tourist destination. Oh, so yeah. I imagine that they have ways to try and navigate that. But with that being said, I want to come to you, gentlemen. Any, uh, meeny, miny, mo, Blake, what you got? I got an interesting one for us today. So me and Rez were texting. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for what you got. And I was throwing out some ideas. He was like, keep going. Keep going. And I was listening yeah, to a no, podcast. Yeah, no, we got we to gotta get pay dirt. We're not yeah. just getting on top of it. Go all the way until we get the actual, the, the good stuff. He said, keep going. So I turned my podcast on as I usually do. I'm just sitting in my apartment, kind of going through, doing some stuff. And I stumbled across a podcast talking about albert einstein's brain do you know about the ca Mm-mm. Mm. let me educate you the best that i can so albert einstein we know e equals mc squared theory of relativity world-renowned physicist well in 1955 he went to princeton hospital after having a brain i believe aneurysm and the next day or later that day he passed away unfortunately 
And there was this guy by the name of, I'll make sure I get his name right, Thomas Harvey, a pathologist. And if you don't know what a pathologist is, they study brain tissue and and, uh, Ah. tissue cells. So they, you know, do the autopsy report, make sure they know what's going on. Now, nowhere in here they said to do anything with the brain. Thomas Harvey takes it upon himself while doing the autopsy report. I'm going to take this brain. And he takes it out of his head. To where? I'll get to it dissects it puts it in a jar and leaves with it and if you don't know albert einstein said beforehand to the media to his family to everyone when i die i want my remains cremated so that people cannot exploit my brain he knew who he was he mm-hmm. knew what people would do oh, yeah he says brain thieves out here stay vigilant so he didn't stay want- woke <laughs> he, he didn't want anyone doing that and his family knew that now i still haven't gotten to the part where how he even got out of the office with it i don't know how he pulled that off but somehow he got out with it. So he's got this brain in a jar. Mm-hmm. He's taking care of it. Next day, a couple days later, the son finds out, Hans, Albert Einstein's son. And he's like, um, kind of got my brain. There's reports going out about it. And he somehow talks the son into keeping the brain because he said he's going to do scientific research about it and he's going to be publishing it. He somehow convinced him. The son said, okay, I don't know if there was some money exchange. Whatever. Keeps his dad's brain, Albert Einstein. You know how long he keeps his brain for, CA, before anyone gets there? How long? Two decades. 20 oh, years. wow. Lord. I thought you were about to say two years. 20 yeah. decades. He's in Kansas, Missouri, travels all around the different states in the Midwest with this brain. Is he is he like taking taking tourist photos with the brain? He, is no. he like in front of the Mount Rushmore with the, yeah, with the, with that, the brain? That would be a good part. In front of Niagara Falls with the brain? That would be a happy ending to the story. No, he is... He cuts up the brain into no. small little pieces and puts it in a beer fridge in his basement for two decades. And it never really says there was no scientific research ever published to this date from him about this brain. He just wanted brain chunks. He just wanted, he he initially, the theory is he initially got it to do research, but he's no brain surgeon. So nah, he didn't nah. know what this, to do. This is an elaborate way to set up a joke. <laughs> he, I see you. He didn't know what to do until he got it. But he had this brain for over two decades, and reporters finally got wind of it of where he was, tracked him down, and he was even showing off the brain and said, hey, I got it right here. And now, to this day, it's been sent off to different museums different and research. Different chunks of the brain, or they re- put the whole brain back together? So, to this day, actually, I think they said he split it up into 28 different chunks, mm-hmm. and then part mm-hmm. of the brain was kept still. And different chunks were sent to different scientists that he would do for money like black market, I guess you would say back in the day. And now to this day, I believe the rest of his brain remnants are in a museum, I believe in Seattle or something. It's the National Science Museum where Albert Einstein's brain lasts decades later until I think it was 2010. So we went over 50, 40 years of not knowing where that brain was and still some of his brain remnants have not been found. That's crazy. That's crazy crazy. that that dude did with Albert Einstein's brain what I do with like laundry where I'm like, I intend on doing this laundry and then just don't do it for a week. Except he did that with a human's brain. I I will add that it's, it's said it hasn't been fully proven, but his brain tissue was apparently a lot different than the human brain. That it was a lot larger, had different... A different makeup. Oh, so you're telling me Albert Einstein was built different? I'll, sh- I'll show you in the break. There's a, pic- okay. There's a picture of it in a jar. So I appreciate your, <laughs> your contribution to sharing time yes, today, sir, Blake. Yes, sir. That, that was fascinating. CA, what you got? I got a special request from a Tolo from two nights ago when we first started doing this. And he asked me to do it. 
that night and then he asked me to do it last night and I said, I'll wait till this night. I haven't done this since the pandemic, but I tried to tell a lot of people that the moon is not a Uh-oh, moon. Oh, here we go. Uh-oh. Blake, have you heard of this? <laughs> we're doing theories. I love what we're it's doing tonight. It's a fact. Okay, the moon is not what? A moon. ISO! It it's is a moon. not a moon. Prove it. Prove it. Prove me. Prove it me is, wrong. Oh, I, I can prove it. You can Google it all up. First of all, <laughs> the moons are orbiting around all the different planets in our solar system. Mm-hmm. Our quote-unquote moon quote unquote. doesn't look anything like those other moons. Those other moons are like baked potatoes and shape. What if it's built different? It is built different because it is not a moon. In other words, it doesn't fit the category of a moon. We got the Albert Einstein brain of moons, y'all. It's real simple. <laughs> This moon is round. And guess what? Those moons that revolve around these other planets, and by the way, a lot of planets have a whole bunch of moons because they get captured in this in, in the their gravity. Yep. And they and they float around like our moon not only is a lot younger than the Earth, they cannot explain where it came from, how it got here. And guess what? It doesn't revolve. Did you know there's a dark side of the moon? Because our moon just turns a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right. And it also is responsible for our gravity. It is also mathematically correct. See, I'm telling you things that scares people. It's like when people find out that, guess what? The pyramids aren't tombs for pharaohs. They're actually mathematically correct. How did those pyramids get built? Aliens. Hmm? Aliens. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just going to tell you this. When they went to the when they went to the moon, mm-hmm. and, you know, those, those launched from NASA and all that, they, they actually crashed one of the lunar modules into the moon. And they were, had earthquake uh, equipment there to see, you know, what would be the Richter scale on, right? They found out the moon is hollow. It mm. rang like a bell. They also found out that there's water. When they brought those moon rocks back, there's water, H2O, on the moon. Not rivers, but once upon a time, there had to be. So wait a minute. If there's water, that means there was some oxygen up there. It does not categorically fit into the category of a quote-unquote moon. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying it's... I'm just saying they can't explain where it came from. They can't explain why it only turns a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. They can't explain why it's mathematically correct. I I don't have those exact numbers in front of me right now in this particular segment, but there's a certain number that is in between the sun and the earth, and that's why you have these certain kind of eclipses that are amazing. But... The moon is just not a moon. I can't tell you what it is, but I don't because they don't know where it came from. I'm just saying it's not like those other moons around the other planets. And that's it. Mm, if you had to give it a name, what would you give it other than the moon? Anything in the world, what would you name it? Since it's not a moon, just give me a name. Blake, Andre. Blake. <laughs> you asked. And that's Sharon Tom right here on the Get Right. A very interesting version of Sharon Tom, but Sharon Tom nonetheless. Appreciate you, gentlemen. For, uh, for, for putting in. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up next on the Get Right, we'll get you caught up on your headlines on the evening, including the Mavs taking down the Wizards. Woo-hoo. We'll do it next on 105 Through the Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.